Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Roslin Podcast. This week's guest is David Oyelowo, an award-winning actor. We talk about the outstanding movie Selma, where he played Dr. Martin Luther King, The Waterman on Netflix, which not only did he star in, but he also directed, Spooks, the BBC TV show, his friendship with his second mum, as he calls her, Oprah Winfrey, and he talks for the first time about a football incident at Robbie Williams' house in L.A., He also tells me about how Charlize Theron wet herself in a restaurant when out with him. Yes, it's true. It may be my favourite showbiz story ever. I hope you enjoy it. Please, can I ask you a favour? Would you mind, please, following and subscribing, please, by pressing the follow or subscribe buttons, please? This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And then you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes and you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate. And also, please write a review. Thank you so much. How many places was that? Probably too many, but please, thank you. David, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give this a go and... If the pronunciation is wrong, you just you tell me. Okay. I'll give you I'll give you a lesson. Okay, Bawani Shawadada. Oh wow! I thought you were gonna try my name. You're you're speaking. No no no! I could do your name. Yes. Oh wow! I did it. Did it was all right. Was it all right? Yeah yeah. It was good. It was good. Yeah the the uh, Bawani is how you say it. Bawani. But. but Bawoni. Bawoni. There you go. Oh my goodness. Very good. Very, very good. But yes, you're asking me how I am and I'm very, very well. Oh, I'm so pleased because I thought I could, because my family, so your family from Nigeria, my family from Zimbabwe. So I'd oh. like to teach you some Shona. So Please. now I know. Right, here we go. So Mangwanani. Mangwanani. That's good morning. Oh, wow. Uh, that's a keeper. Mangwanani. Fantastic. Mangwanani. There we are. We can share. We've got that in common. There we are. Yay. Um, so, so Prince David Oyelowo, <laughs> can I, is it true you've got eight names? Oh, gosh. Yes, I, I have. Um, I, I'm down to about four on the remembrance uh, front. 
Um, oh, don't be silly. It's you can't true. remember your own names. Well, I don't. Let's face it, Gabby. They are not in uh, everyday usage for me. Um, okay. Well, let me tell you the ones I do now. It's David Oyetokumbo, okay. Animamuma, Chukudi, uh, Oyerogba. Oh, so that's like well, that's five. That's five. Of oh, them just do the, do those again because they're beautiful. Do it again. Okay. So David, obviously, Oyetokumbo, Chukudi, Animamuma, Oyerogba. So, uh, but there is, there are another three that, uh, slip through the cracks over time. (laughs) Okay. I don't blame you. Now I've heard them. I don't blame you, but they're very beautiful. You know what? The, the language is, it it sings, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, my, my dad uh, was Yoruba. My mom was Igbo and they both passed away now, but. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. Oh no, that that's okay. Yeah. My dad, my dad passed away last September. He got, uh. Oh, he got he no. got colon cancer. Um, oh which was, my god! I'm so yeah. sorry. I know no. my dad had it, and and oh. thank God survived. But I'm oh, so wonderful. sorry. I'm glad. I'm glad he survived. No, that blesses my heart to to hear he survived because it's a, it's a it's a devastating thing. Um, he was 86, so you know he had a good inning, so to speak. But yeah, they were the most wonderful, wonderful parents. And my 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 dad spoke Yoruba, my mum Igbo and Yoruba as well. And yeah, you know, it, it is the most beautiful, beautiful language. And I lived in Nigeria for seven years of my youth. And I'm just so grateful um, to have been around that, to sort of, you know, imbibe that culture and to have that musicality of the language in me. The, when When you were living there, did yeah. you think of yourself, this is a strange question, but were you an English speaker who learnt Nigerian or were you a Nigerian who was going home? Because you were, you were in the UK well, until you were six, weren't you? Exactly, exactly right. Um, to be honest, I was so young that, you know, a notion of my identity wasn't yet something I had sort of contemplated, really. Um, but I was very much you know, a, a London kid who had sort of found himself in in Nigeria. And, I, you know, it was funny. I never fully admitted that I spoke the language and it actually served me very, very well when I um, went to boarding school because I, I pretended I was this kid who spoke with this kind of accent, even though I, I think it, it was a bit more ni- Nigerian then. Um, but I, I pretended I didn't speak Yoruba. So I would always be able to tell exactly what everyone thought of me because they would go into Yoruba uh, when they thought I couldn't speak it. So and I remember the day I, I was leaving that boarding school and just going around speaking Yoruba and all of them falling off their chair because they thought I couldn't speak it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yes. I like that. Do you, do you dream, you dream, I presume, in, in English, do you, or Yoruba ever? Yes. Yeah, so when it comes to dreaming, I, I very much dream, I think, in, in English, um, uh, unless there's a dream language I'm not really aware of that I dream in. But uh, when it comes to Yoruba, which is the language I understand, like if I watch a Nollywood movie or something like that, I can understand everything they're saying if it's Yoruba. But to go to speak it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good. But if I were to be in Lagos for, I think, like two months, it would all come rushing back, I think. Isn't it wonderful though to be able to have that that you've you to have a few languages up your sleeves? I just think it's a really precious gift that that your parents gave you. Can you kick? You've got about twenty thousand kids now. I think since last <laughs> last time like I met it. you, you had 
two or three, and now you've uh, you've got have you got four? I've got now? four. I've got four yeah. now. Um, gosh, oh, that must be word. a while ago that we we spoke. Yes, I have. I have four of them. They are nineteen, sixteen, thirteen, and nine, um, and they are wonderful, wonderful kids. Three boys and a girl. Oh, and do they speak any Yoruba? Oh gosh, no. No, no, no. I know, I know. It's such a shame. I mean, I can barely speak. I can understand it. But, you know, we're we're planning a family trip to Nigeria. We were actually, you know, I I was looking to take them. And then, of course, COVID stopped us all in our tracks. But um, yeah, that's something I, I very much want to do. But they are incredibly proud of their heritage, which is something I am very proud of. My eldest son, Asher, who's a recording artist, you know, one of his biggest influences is Afrobeat um, in his music. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he, that's just from being around my dad. And my dad lived with us for, for four years before he passed away. Just, just being around the culture, being around those influences, we try to very much remind them that they are both British, Nigerian, and now they're growing up American. And, and, I, and I do love the idea of both myself and my family being citizens of the world i think to be honest in, oh, in america I love that. yeah yeah because in america where we now live it's very myopic you know it's it's people d- have a lot of the time no desire to to leave the country or even entertain what's going on beyond the borders of the country and i think growing up in the uk growing up in europe but also in africa you know there's something so rich about like I say, being a citizen of the world and, 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 and feeling engaged with so many different kinds of people, I think that's how you engender empathy. I love that. It's very funny, when I was doing all, all, um, all my research and everything, loads of people talk about how you can do loads of accents. <laughs> so that obviously that means, you know, the citizen of the world that you are, you yeah. can do all these accents. And I was watching a show where they threw all the different accents at you and they said, right, do Irish, do Scottish, do Canadian, do uh, New York, do Texan. And you, t- you went for it and you were really good. Thank you. I don't know how uh, the Texans uh, felt about it, but uh, I, I, certainly, <laughs> I, I, certainly, I certainly gave it a go. Um, yeah, I mean, look, between my training as an actor and then, you know, w- when I've made films in Uganda, South Africa, Morocco, Nigeria, uh, you know, Prague, all over America, obviously the UK, uh, you know, there are so many places, some of which I'm blanking on right now, that I've, that I've been for periods of time. And as an actor, you are a student of humanity. You are trying to soak in what it is to be a human being on planet Earth so that given the opportunity, you can consistently be able to hold a mirror up to humanity and, you know, hopefully people relate to who you're playing. And, and, the, and you know, the accent is a big part of that, the truth of that. And uh, between working with dialect coaches, learning dialect when I was at Lambda, traveling the world and, and just being interested and curious about human beings, I think that's what's helped me uh, get relatively good at that. But there's a lovely story about you um, not shaking off the accent or t- shaking off the character. Is this true when you were in Selma? When you were, you, oh, and dear, congratulations. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. But you as Martin Luther King, that you stayed in character the whole time. I did. I just felt <gasps> like, I just wow. felt like, yeah, I know. And you know what? I, when I was at drama school and early on in my career, you know, I would hear of actors doing that. I would hear of method acting and it just sounded 
pretentious to me, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> but but uh, but but then I, I had the opportunity to work with Daniel Day Lewis in this film Lincoln, where he, in which he was playing Abraham Lincoln. And and you know, famously, he's someone who does this. Being around him, it was so clear to me what the benefits of doing that were. I just completely believed him. And not only did it affect his performance, but it affected the people around him's performance as well. It just meant that the entire film, while he was playing the protagonist, had this atmosphere of authenticity, you know, and I also had the same experience with Forrest Whitaker in The Last King of Scotland. He also stayed in character the whole time. And it's not a comfortable thing to do, certainly not for the actor and certainly not for the people around them. I mean, you know, Forrest Whitaker was playing a Ugandan dictator, for goodness sake. Yeah. It, was in, it was incredibly yeah. difficult to be around him, if I'm totally honest. But, um, you know, you get afforded a role the likes of playing Dr. King, you just simply have to go the extra mile. You can't be thinking, oh, it's 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 embarrassing to do that. Or, you know, I, I, I'm just going to do this 80% when I've seen what happens when you go the full 100%. And so I just felt I owed it to the character. I owed it to to you know the history and the civil rights movement and the and the film itself to to go that extra mile. I can see that, but I just, I'm thinking, putting my my Jessica hat on for a while, your wife. (laughs) How on earth did Jessica cope with that? Oh, bless her heart. Yeah, well, I I think the story you're alluding to is that we were, we had just moved house just before I started playing Dr. King and... um, we were doing some curtain shopping uh, on online and I was shooting in Atlanta. She was here in LA and I was in character on the phone and I no. started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I <laughs> you know, I, I fully committed to it. And, and at some point during the call, she just went, stop, 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 stop. I cannot be shopping for curtains with Dr. King. I, I just, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to draw the line there. The other thing, poor love, that she had to endure is I had to put on, I think, about two and a half, maybe three stone to play him. And so I developed these rather impressive man boobs as, <laughs> as, as well as a really uh, copious um, uh, tummy. And uh, yeah, she, she managed to just about convince me that she still found me sexy. But the, the speed with which she, want, she wanted me to lose weight afterwards suggests she was really suffering um <laughs> during <laughs> during the show oh, but it's the I, I mean i have all these scenarios in my head some of which are completely surreal of right. you as martin luther king and your wife just sitting down watching telly having a bit of supper talking about the kids how the kids are doing their homework but you as martin luther king i don't know it, how on earth she kept saying i i mean bless her I know, I know. I'm so glad you're saying this because, you know, I I get the accolades and the praise and all of that, but it, it, it is something that your your family get dragged into. I don't do it for every role. I I played a character who had multiple personality disorder in a film called Nightingale, and that was another yes, one where I incredible film. Thank you, thank you. And and I felt I sort of had to take the dive with that one as well. Sometimes I, I, I just do, I keep the accent while I'm on set and then I, I, you know, I break it when I'm away from set. But 
you know, what I found staying in character in that way, what it helps me do is it helps me never second guess the truth of the character I'm playing. And, and if you're playing Dr. King in Atlanta, where he grew up and his iconic status is at its highest, you, I mean, talking the way we do in that environment and then just snapping into Dr. King, I mean, it's just going to be so confusing for people, uh, certainly for me as well. So it's the, it's the price you have to pay, but Jessica, I'm afraid, had to, had to pay it as well. She must be a wonderful woman. But you actually, not only obviously are you married and, and um, you talk about her so beautifully. When I interviewed you last time, you remember you talking about her so beautifully. But you've, you've just signed a deal with your own production company, the two of you, and you're going to be producing stuff together, aren't you? Yeah, that's one of the big blessings of our, our lives, really. You know, the fact that we really enjoy working to it with each other as well as being married to each other as well. It was, it was a bit of a risk. I'm not going to lie. I was nervous about it early on when we discussed partnering in this way from a business point of view, but it's going incredibly well. We have this first look deal with, with Disney. Um, I saw. Congratulations. Is... Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But you know, it, it's a, it's a brand that really is synonymous with, some of what we want to do, which is to to make content that the whole family can can watch together, because yes, you know, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, and because we we have a big family, we have movie nights every Friday night, and you know the Marvel movies are great, Star Wars is great, but very quickly you run out of those, and, and we just want more traffic in that in that in that kind of content. So that's why we partnered with Disney, and then we're doing this. Um, uh, overall deal with Viacom CBS as well to make television. So, um, yeah, we're, we're having a great time doing all of that. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So you also, I mean, obviously you're, you're known for your phenomenal acting, but you're directing because you did The Waterman 
was it last year, 2020? I don't even know what year we're in anymore because I of know, COVID. I, I get know. so confused. So that was last year, wasn't it? Yes, that well, it it um it was at the Toronto Film Festival last year. Um, got a, a wonderful, wonderful reaction. Um, it was in uh, movie theaters here. Um, earlier this year. Um, and yes, COVID has really uh, compromised so much. But you know, plenty of people went to see it in the in the movie theater here. I'm, I'm glad to say, plenty of people are now seeing it on on Netflix all over the planet. Tens of millions of them, no, no, no yes. tens of millions of them, no less. Which is just so above and beyond what I anticipated for my my directorial really? debut. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Gabby. I've I've made films that I really care about that barely anyone has seen, um, especially when they're a smaller movie. Um, so you you just never ever know. And then you factor in the fact that we actually shot the Waterman before COVID. I'm doing post production while the world feels like it's ending. No one's leaving the house, and you're thinking, gosh, you know. What's going to happen with this movie we just made? No one's going to the movie theater. And, you know, we we hadn't yet um, realized or fully embraced the fact that the, the the audience's habits just changed during the pandemic and, and streaming sort of, of course, went through the roof. And that's where The Waterman has sort of found its most vibrant audience across the planet. And I, I just couldn't have anticipated that because, you know, in my mind, it was, you know, it's going to be in movie theaters and then, you know, uh, uh, see what happens next. But, you know, the, the, the world changed and in, in ways that are very difficult for so many people. But when it comes to filmmaking, certainly at the budget level, we made The Waterman. It, it's created some amazing opportunities. And you produced it, you directed it, you starred in it. It's that yeah. that must be. Um, oh, so you've got triple anxiety <laughs> about it all. Suddenly letting your baby go when you're performing in something, you're yeah. obviously there. And I I hate fear. I think fear is a very dangerous thing. But but mm. as a performer. I know what it's like. You put your you put your show out there, and suddenly you think, "I hope people are going to like it because I love it." Then yeah. you're got another level because you've directed it, and then another level because you've produced it. So, d- did you have those moments of hiding in a darkened room, thinking, "Oh my word, look what I've just done"? Oh, it's a it's a great question because I I, I agree with you. I also you know I'm not a fan of fear at all, and I think that as human beings, generally speaking. At any given moment, we are operating in one of two things, either fear or faith. And, you know, faith uh, is the one that you always want to, you know, win over over fear in a sense. And absolutely, I felt fear, uh, especially at the idea of uh, directing something I was also in, you know, that that's because as we've discussed Already, when I'm playing a role to whatever degree is necessary, I like to completely immerse myself. Oh, how did Um, you do that then? How did you say, right, you? (laughs) I mean, how did you talk to yourself? Because you had to be a different person then. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. There are certain things you have to let go of. So, you know, I couldn't go around as my character talking to the other actors, talking to my DP, talking to the costume designer. To, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just a bridge too far. And so I think that, you know, that's partly why I felt I could do it because I was playing a, a supporting role. It wasn't, it wasn't a demanding role in the way that Dr. King or, you know, my role in, the, in Nightingale was. 
Um, but I did have to apply some techniques that helped me not go mad myself and, and my fellow actors and crew, which is that, you know, when I was in a scene with someone, I had to make sure I wasn't the one saying action and cut. That's just too weird. <laughs> That's too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so I had my first assistant director doing that. And then Joel Edgerton, actually, a wonderful actor who also directs, gave me this great piece of advice. He said, when you're in a scene with an actor, never give them direction immediately after cut has been called and you're still in the scene with them because then they'll start to feel like they're being analyzed during the scene as opposed to acted with during the scene. So uh, whether I need Yeah, so whether I needed to or not, I would leave the the the, the set pretend sometimes to look at the monitor, even though I knew exactly what I needed them to do, and come back. So it was almost like you had to take your acting hat off, go and put your directing hat on, come back. And that sort of made it sort of, you know, there was this separation of church and state to a certain degree um, that helped. But in all honesty, I just loved the experience so much that even if it didn't go on to do everything I hoped. I knew that the experience of directing this amazing uh, group of actors and, and having this great, great crew, no one could take that away from me. Um, but thankfully, you know, it's it's gone on to be so much more than I... I mean, it's literally one of the most successful things I put my hand to, and that's a, oh, uh, a, wonderful, a wonderful thing to be able to oh, say. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That is wonderful. Do you know, it, you. it's... So, obviously, we all know you here in the UK. I know people listen to this podcast around the world, but here in the UK, it was called Spooks, and I know it was called... Was it yeah. MI5 in MI5, in yes, that's right. Um, and uh, so we know you from that, and then cut to you saying, you know, tens of millions of people are watching your movie that you produced, you directed and you starred in. You're, mm. You were produced by Oprah in Selma. <laughs> There's photographs that I've seen of you, uh, of your um, lovely late daddy with, with Oprah, whose name mm. he couldn't say. I love that story. I Thank you. <laughs> but know. there you are with all of, all of that happening. If you take yourself back to Spooks and mm. you looked at yourself now you'd have the biggest smile just going, wow, because you you, you're very excited by life. I know you have tremendous faith and religion is very important to you, but you also have that very wide-eyed excitement by life, don't you? So you, would you be just pinching yourself? Would you oh, not gosh, believe it? Absolutely. Then? Absolutely. Well, it's funny. It's, it's both at the same time. On the one hand, I would be pinching myself. And on the other hand, I would be in awe that... Things I had seen by way of dreams and ambition are actually being lived out. So what, what wow. I mean, okay. yeah. So, so what I mean by that is that I had those aspirations and very early on in my career, even though there were not many, there wasn't much evidence of that kind of success, certainly not for black actors in, in the UK. You know, I had actors who I really admired, who I looked up to, but in all honesty, I didn't feel they were being given opportunities commensurate with their talent. Um, I had to look to Hollywood for that. I, I had to look to Denzel Washington or Sidney Poitier or Will Smith to go, oh, someone who looks like me can achieve 
that. But, you know, growing up in, in Islington, living on a council estate, you know, managing to get a scholarship to go to Lambda, knowing that theatre was my first love and, and that was somewhere I was happy to be, even though I saw that for myself by way of ambition, where I actually was and what I could actually see around me completely was contrary to the idea that my ambition would be realized. But there were a few things I held on to as non-negotiables, which is that I was never going to take on roles which I deemed to be stereotypical or caricature. Um, I challenged my representation to put me up for roles that were written for white actors because almost always as, a, as the black characters were not being written as fully fleshed out as they should. They were very rarely written by other Black people who understood the specifics of that experience and that culture. Um, and so, you know, they were often written from an outsider's perspective. So you'd get these lines and you'd be like, I, 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 don't, I barely know how to make these work. Um, but, you know, when Danny Hunter came along in Spooks, he was exactly that. He was a character not written as race specific. So he had dimension, he had an arc. And, you know, I fully embraced what was my first real um, substantial screen role. But before then, I had played Henry VI at the RSC as well, which is another role that I was hopeful to get, determined to get, because it was the same narrative of, you know, not being stuck in what a black young actor was perceived to um, to be the thing that they would do, and um, so in in sort of th thankfully having my ambition meet up with opportunity to do those things, it meant that the goal I had was coming ever closer. And so when I left Spooks and did a few more movies, you know, that's when Jess and I took the gamble of going, you know what, I think if we keep working hard, if we keep our eyes on, on this prize, we may just get there, which is why we took the incredibly scary step of moving to the States. And you're happy there, aren't you? Oh, yeah, very, 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 very. You know, we've lived here 14 years now and um, it's, you know, the industry has been very good to us, but also to our, our kids. You know, we had um, Asher and Caleb when we still lived in the UK, but they were five and two when we moved here. And our, our, our third son and our daughter uh, are born and raised here and they're growing up as Americans. And, you know, L.A. is a very, very lovely place to live. It's a wonderful quality of life. I love coming back to the UK, but uh, I, I do, I do love living here. So are you, uh, how are, are you, do you think of yourself as American now first? Um, it's a good question. I think of myself as British, Nigerian and American. Um, so we're back to the uh, global yeah. citizen. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I embrace that um, because um the UK or England is my country of birth and I, and I and it has given me so many opportunities. I, I don't think I would be an actor. I don't think I would have been introduced to the theatre. I don't think I would have been introduced to that culture, which I which I also love. Um, so, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for that citizenship. I am culturally and, and my heart is very much rooted in Nigeria because I, I benefited so much from living in a country for six years where I wasn't a minority. So it it shifted yes, my of mindset course, of course. around the things that could be afforded to me because I grew up 
through formative years in a country where every opportunity on offer was mine for the taking. And that was something I held on to even when I moved back to the UK and now living in the States, where that is definitely not the case for a black person. But, you know, the disposition with which you approach your life, I think, you know, manifests in the things you can go on to achieve. And America has been amazing to me from a career point of view. I would never have got to play Dr. King, I don't think, you know, um, living in the in the UK and not sort of completely immersing myself in African-American culture. And that's been an immense part of my life. Um, and there are people here who I consider family to me, um, you know, who I would never have, have met. It sounds odd, but, you know, Oprah is like a, a mother to me. She's someone who oh my has word. been... She's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she she is. You know, she's someone who's really taken me under her wing, and and um, you know, it's funny what I said earlier about having having a certain dreams and ambitions that you know where I was just it felt so out of reach. That was her experience as well. You know, growing up in the in the southern states of America, and and you know, being deemed too black, too fat, too, you know, and these, these are her words to me Shocking. Of, of, Shocking. How, of how, you know, of, of what would prevent her from achieving what she had by way of ambition. And, you know, when we played mother and son in, in The Butler, there was just so much commonality, obviously, you know, you know, she's a, through the stratosphere, but commonality in our outlook and trajectory. And I think she recognized in me so much she saw in herself and, and has sort of really just been a an incredible part of my life. That wouldn't have happened um, no. if I if I, I weren't now you, living in America. I'm I'm going to um, embarrass you, but but everybody always said, um, and I've been doing this for thirty five years, and everybody has always said to me, "Who's the one person you would like to interview?" And I've always said Oprah. And so wait, was ah. you, that's you're talking about Oprah. I'm going wow, wow, because she's one of those people. <laughs> she's incredible. Anyways, do send her my love. Yeah. She doesn't know who I am from Adam, but there we go. Um, I will. <laughs> uh, but also your other friend and my word, the stories that you and and I'm going to pronounce her name incorrectly, and I apologise, but I hope I've got it right. Charlize. The wrong. Oh, Charlize uh, Theron, yes. There we go. It's Theron. It's I want you. Everyone always says Theron. Okay, Charlize Theron. It's Theron like Heron. That's how. She's okay, I'll try Theron. again. So yeah. you and your friend Charlize Theron. Yeah. You is this true that you made her actually pee her pants? <laughs> Um, it is true. We right. We did, Tell we, me the story. Share uh, now. I I know well. We did this. We did this film called Gringo in in Mexico, and we were at a, a restaurant. And uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you the whole story because it'll yeah, burn. I want the it'll, whole story. It, I want the whole thing. <laughs> I don't want you peeing on your chair, Gabby. That would, that would, that would, I, I went wanna... to the loo before. I promise. <laughs> I want the story. Bring on the story. I don't want to do that to you. I don't want to do. Honestly, it is incredibly long. It took a whole dinner. But oh my god! I, okay, I, I will. I it was will the tell short you. version. I will tell you. Well, it was around. It was around the 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 catastrophic pronunciation of my name at some event, and it was the build up to it, and it was just so you know one of the most humiliating experiences oh, of my no. life. But even even worse for the announcer who got it so very wrong. But um, but the weirdest thing was. 
you know, we were all around this table. Everyone is laughing. And then, you know, Charlize had just completely lost it. You know, that point where you just, you, you, you transfer into hysteria. And she was laughing and laughing and laughing and then suddenly stopped, ran out of, <laughs> ran away from the table. And I was sat next to her and I looked at her chair and it was wet. No! No! <laughs> she properly so, peed, not even just a little bit. No, oh no, 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 no. So I thought, I thought, I thought, well, I know, I know that's not her water's breaking because she's definitely not pregnant. So what, what the heck? And, and so, um, yes, yes. So that is now my claim to fame. I literally made someone laugh till they peed their pants. Oh my god! I'm. Do you know what I use that expression? Because we always ask everybody in this podcast what makes mm. you properly laugh. I now know that when I interview Charlize, that <laughs> I know what to ask her, and she'll yes. be able to tell us. And that's yes. the thing. And oh you know what god. I love about her? She will not, not one iota of her will be embarrassed about it. I would be mortified. She is like the most <laughs> devil may care human being I know. Isn't that fantastic? I love people like that. Okay, so what makes you properly belly laugh and hopefully not wet the chair, but why not? Oh dear. Well, you know what? I'm a bit I'm a bit ashamed of it. What makes me laugh the most on the planet is people falling over. If me someone too! Oh yes. good. Oh good. Oh good. Oh, you, good. me and oh, Robbie good. Williams. So Robbie oh, Williams, good. when he's out in LA, you go see Robbie and say Oh, I heard you talking on Gabby's podcast because Rob talks about it all the time. We love it if somebody falls over into a hole, walks into a tree. Tell me your favourites. Go on, go. Oh, my gosh. I mean, again, it's one of those you had to be there kind of things. But like, mm. I, I used to, I love watching those like, um, uh, what, what are they called? The candid camera type things where people are falling over and bashing their nuts <laughs> against fences and things like that. I just, I just, I, I just fall out and uh, you know, my, my kids literally if I'm if I'm seeming stern or upset in any way they just play me that kind of video and it's it works every single time but you know what I've, I've, I've never actually told this story speaking of Robbie Williams so earlier on when I first moved to LA uh, my wife and I were, were had lunch at a restaurant in Beverly Hills and who do we walk out onto the pavement to bump into but Robbie Williams um and, you know, my wife had been a huge Take take That fan back in the day. So anyway, we get talking and Robbie says, oh, yeah, you know, every Wednesday I, I have uh, folks come over to my uh, house to play football. So I was like, oh, great. You know, I, I you know, we're fairly new to L.A. I, I love playing football. I haven't found a team to play for. So, you know, at that time, I don't know if Robbie still lives there, but he literally has a, he has a, t- a football, football pitch. pitch. Yeah. Uh, is that, have you been? Do you, have you seen no, the football No, but I know. Pitch? I've known. I've known him since he was about fifteen, and oh, his wow. football pitch was his pride and joy in LA. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. So I would go once a week to play uh, to play football at, at Robbie, uh, Robbie's house, and I I one day I got so badly injured. I rolled my ankle. I tore all the ligaments, chipped the cartilage. 
And oh I ended gosh. up having to have two operations on my ankle from that injury. Um, so, you know, serves me right that I, now I find out, you know, I fell over at Robbie Williams's house <laughs> and, and had to have two operations for it. Um, so, you know, I really should think twice about laughing at people falling over. Oh, no, I'm sorry that you hurt yourself. But probably yeah. if we'd all been watching and if you'd watched yourself, you would have laughed. Even though, you know. Oh, no, 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 Gabby. No, no, no. That's the hypocrisy of it. Like, if I fall over, it is the least funny thing on the planet. No. Um, Oh, I know. Look, I'm not not proud of it. It's just the truth, you know. You've let me down, David. I know. know. So you you, you laugh at yourself. You laugh at yourself when you fall over? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You're a better human than me. That's that's what this (laughs) is. You're You're just a nicer person than me. No, I'm really, really not. I'm not. I just, I'm one of those people that I could giggle at anything. And the worst thing is if if my kids, I remember when my baby girl, my first baby girl um, yes. was about two and she fell down the stairs and she was fine because no. at the bottom she went, mummy, I fell down the stairs. I knew she was fine. And then I couldn't stop laughing. And so my <laughs> girls have been brought up laughing when people fall over. And my husband hates it. He hates it. Oh, He's wow. like you. You, He's you've like, transferred yeah. it to your kids. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good, it's the way to go. Um, it do is. you know what you are? It's so lovely to speak to you again. And before we before we go, actually, I just have to ask you about playing Javert in Les Mis oh, on yeah. the BBC. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know if you ever got it, but I sent you a message because hmm. weirdly, when we met, um, we, we uh, swapped numbers and I sent you oh. a message. And No, but I don't think it was you because I got a reply saying... Oh, no. <laughs> saying, <laughs> I don't oh, think gosh. it was you. Was it you? Saying, um, I don't know why you... <laughs> I'm really oh, embarrassed. Gosh. I'm really embarrassed. No, because it might have been you. Oh, God, now I'm laughing. No, no, tell me. I'm almost certain if you had sent me a message post-Javet, I would remember. I I did not get the message. So this is coming from someone else, I think. Okay. What did they say? What did they say? So I sent a message saying, you're such a lovely person, but you're so um, evil. I love it. And I love you. Loads of love. Les Mis rocks. It was something like that. And I got this reply back saying, I don't... I don't think I remember who this is. So that's why I was really embarrassed. So I'm, I, don't think I, I don't think I remember who this is, but I, I, what have I done that's so hateful? And I thought, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely not me. Because oh, if, you reference, if you had referenced Les Mis, I would know exactly Phew. what you were talking about. Oh, no, no, no. Goodness. Oh, gosh, you've got the wrong number. Okay, I'm going to send you the right number. Uh, you know, because... <laughs> Because we can't have that person in oh. your in your uh, contacts. Uh, no, no, no. I would have been oh. over the moon to get that from you. Um, oh, that's so well, funny. I was embarrassed to ask. thank you. Thank oh. you for, for the message. Um. Oh, well, I, I've embarrassed myself. I've, it made me go all sweaty because when I asked you to come on the podcast, I thought, well, he might say no because... He wasn't pleased with me thinking. I know. I was thinking she thinks I'm a bad person for absolutely no reason. I used to like her. I thought she was a different person. She's changed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, David, what a joy to speak to you again and love to to Jessica. And next time, the next role you do on Jessica's behalf, if she's choosing sofas or curtains or anything, 
You just have to <laughs> slip out of that character and just be be Prince David. Yes, I'll do that. I'll I'll take myself less seriously. I'll be merciful to my wife, and we will discuss <laughs> curtains as myself. I promise. Bless you. And I actually, me calling you Prince, you really are a prince. So I'm not being I'm not being rude there either. No, you're, you're not. You're prince. not being weird again, Gabby. You're not being, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna get up and go. Why were you calling me Prince? What is wrong with you? No, no, no. I I, I actually I actually am one of those. Exactly, David, uh, Prince David OBE. See, there we go. I've got <laughs> I'm it all. And I can say your you. surname as well, a yellow one. I find Thank it very you. extraordinary how people get really hung up about it. And obviously the story you were telling Char- Charlize was about people yes. pronouncing your name. And the, yeah. if, if we may, can we end on the way that your father, what your your late father called Oprah? Because I think that is, a, it's a delight, that story. Oh, well, it's so... Again, hypocritical, because he couldn't bear it when people would mispronounce our name. And he wouldn't even say, you know, I anglicize it and say Oyelowo. But he he would say in the Yoruba, which, which is Oyelowo, is how you, you say Oyelowo. Oyelowo. Like there you go. And But, you know, he would then, you know, I would say, Daddy, I, I've, I've just got this role in Lincoln and, and Steven Spielberg is directing it. Who is Steven Spielberger? I was like, it is, there is, I I did not say Steven Spielberg. It is very clearly. And then I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this film um, called Jack Reacher. Tom Cruise is in it. Ah, my son is doing a film with Tom Cruise. I was like, it is very clearly Cruise, not Crew. And then, you know, uh, when I was doing the the butler, you know, who calls Oprah Winfrey? Opera. He's doing a film with Opera. Opera Winfrey. I mean, oh. <laughs> it's just like, oh gosh, but that was my I dad. love that. I love yeah. that. What a way to end this. David, thank you. What a joy to speak to you again and take good care, my sweet. Thank you. You too. Speak to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up next week is the brilliant actor who everyone loves and I adore him, Mark Strong. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thanks so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.